0: amen amen what a what a great way to make someone feel welcome so thank you so much i want to just thank your leadership apostle peter john and his beautiful wife josephine for having us here tonight and camilla and i we're very excited to be here amen amen you can feel the expectation in the service tonight and i know that god has an in-season word for you tonight amen so tonight i just want to thank the the elders and the leadership and i just observe all protocol here tonight and uh I pray that uh, we can have a great time in God's Word. Amen. Amen. I believe this conference has been running for 10 years already. Wow, that's incredible. That means you, you are part of something really, really great. And the Bible says that even though those who came in at the end, they will receive the same reward as those who started at the beginning. Amen. And so there are those who have plowed the ground, and there are those that have broken through, and there are those who have built To a point where some of you might have just come in at the tail end, but you will still be a part of and enjoy what's been built by others because it's for everyone. Amen. Amen. I just want to open up in prayer. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that, Lord, I have no other agenda tonight but to proclaim your name, Lord. Father, we pray that your word will have entrance into every one of our hearts tonight, Lord. Father, your word is not just informational, but it's transformational. Father, so renew our minds, Lord. Transform our lives, Lord. Father, I pray that your word will sharpen and challenge us tonight, Lord. I pray that we are a people called for a time such as this. And Lord, we need your word, Lord. Because Lord, your word cannot return void, Lord. Father, your word, when spoken, Lord, will will level every valley place, Lord. It will rise up every valley, Lord. It will break into pieces every gate of brass. And so, Father, we thank you for your unfailing word today, Lord. And so, Father, we stand upon this word that cannot return void. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, um, I know it's Sunday evening. I know it's school uh, tomorrow and work for everyone. So the the plan is not to keep everyone too late. Amen. So your pastor has said 10 o'clock is fine. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing, I'm mindful, I, I have little ones as well, so I'm mindful all the time, but I just want to say, um, maybe in the meantime, we can turn to Matthew chapter 14, and that's going to be my, my key scripture for tonight, Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 22 to 32, Matthew 14, 22 to 32, and uh, while you're turning there, in the, in the meantime, you know, this might be a conference that, that, that you might think this is the perfect time of the year to have it. But the Bible says there are things that God has ordained before the foundations of the earth. And so this conference is more than just an event on your church calendar. It's, it's, it's an event ordained of God to set things in alignment and to set things on path for where God is taking you. Amen. And so it's very important that you come into this conference very intentional to come and receive, for God to challenge and to change your life because there are things that are going to happen over the next couple of days that if you don't catch it, you will miss what God is doing, amen and so some people will catch it and they will move with it and you can be in the same place and miss it and so I want to encourage you just to shift gears tonight, just to to align your paradigm and not miss out what God would have you receive tonight, amen because when God does something it's not because he, he does to know what he's doing. Amen. God is an intentional God. Even when he's doing nothing, he's doing nothing intentionally. And so sometimes it can feel like nothing's happening, but there's a reason why nothing's happening because God's intentional about nothing happening because he has a time and a place for everything. And so when God has a conference for you, it's going to provoke you. It's going to challenge you. And that's a good thing because the word of God is supposed to do that. The word of God is supposed to transform our lives. The word of God is supposed to sharpen us. And so just like fire in the Bible, when God poured out fire, it was not because there was no purpose behind it, but there was Moses lost in the wilderness in terms of identity, doing something he was not called to do. There was a greater call upon his life, but he was just going through the motions. He has an encounter with fire and immediately it positions him for destiny. Amen. So just like this conference, there's a purpose in this conference. And you have to discover what God wants to release in and through your life. Amen. The Bible says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also thrown into the fire. But fire has a purpose. And the Bible says they might have been going through a hell, but they came out smelling like heaven. Amen because they did not smell like smoke, they didn't smell like fire. In fact, the Bible says, out of that fire, they were promoted. Out of the fire with a burning bush, Moses came out with clarity, with vision, with direction. The three Hebrew boys came out with promotion. Amen. So, fire has a purpose in our lives. Just like the disciples and all the other men who were in the upper room, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit filled that room, they were filled with tongues like fire upon their heads. and so there is a purpose in the fire of god because the bible says they went in speaking one language came out speaking everyone else's language in other words there was an anointing for communication this church is called to communicate this church is called to win the loss this church has a heart for evangelism this church has a heart for soul winning and there's an anointing for communication in other words when the anointing comes upon you like the men in the upper room they went in with an ability to only reach those who spoke their language They came out anointed and suddenly they could speak everyone else's language and they could take the same gospel and they could share it with everyone else. The Bible says people were amazed that they could speak their language. So you might have before the anointing thought, how can I minister to business people? I'm not a businessman. They're going to invite me to this meeting. But man, I'm not educated. I'm maybe not the right person. But the anointing will give you an ability to communicate. That when you come out of his presence, you can walk into a meeting and you will speak their language. You can walk into a region where you might not love, you might not be a part of that neighborhood, but you would put up a, a structure and you would put up a team and you would say, man, we're going to evangelize this area. And people might say, you're not from this area. It's okay because when I spend time in His presence, there's an anointing that comes upon my life. And when I come out of His presence, I will be anointed to communicate and I will then speak the Word of God and it will have entrance into the lives of people. Amen. Amen. And so just like the fire of God has a purpose, this conference has a purpose. And so we got to be careful that we don't do this so often that we become familiar with what God is doing because God has given your leadership vision. God has given your leadership strategy, and this is part of that strategy, and you are got to catch what God has for them. I trust you are in Matthew 14, 22, by now. Amen. I'm so excited to be here. Amen. I'm very excited to be here, and sometimes my excitement causes my words to come out a lot faster than what they should. Amen. So I hope you can catch uh, what I'm saying tonight. Amen. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and I just want to lay a foundation tonight, and um, I trust that the Word of God will bless you. Amen. I want to share a few principles with you as well, because I believe that people don't always remember sermons, but they remember principles. Amen. And so you've got to remember these principles and you've got to apply them in your life. And I know that God's word works. Amen. You know, the Bible says that there's one thing God cannot do and he cannot lie. Amen. And God has given you promises. God has given you words over your life. And it's time for you to walk in faith upon the water and grab a hold of the promises that God has given you. Amen. Circumstances can make you believe that that word no longer is going to come to pass, that the season maybe has passed. But the Bible helps us to understand in Numbers chapter 23, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. So if God is the God that can do anything, I mean the Bible says he can do anything then that means that this God who can do anything has self-imposed limitations upon his life so that he cannot lie. Amen. And so, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, when it speaks about the promises that God made to Abram, the Bible says that, that God wanted to come into agreement with someone, but could not find anyone else that he could come into agreement with that would honor that word. So, he swore by himself because he cannot lie. Because when he says something, he knows it's going to come to pass. And so, you've got to grab a hold during this week, this week, for God to reignite, to give you back the message. Memories of the times when you have received words and that words have been sitting on a shelf because it's time for those words to be reignited in your life because God cannot lie. Just tell someone, God cannot lie. Amen. Amen. God cannot lie. So, you might feel like, oh no, that word is too long ago. I got that on a youth camp or I got that 20 years ago. If God said it, that word has to come to pass. Amen. And so God cannot lie. So our circumstances don't change God's word. God's word changes our circumstance. Amen. And so there is an amazing call on every one of our lives. And there's purposes that you and I need to walk in. And we need to understand that when the enemy says you can't do it, it's too much. It's impossible. How can you walk on the water? You have to remind the devil that God cannot lie. And if God cannot lie, His Word has to come to pass. Amen. 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 I'm trying to get to Matthew chapter 14. I promise you. Amen. Matthew chapter 14. Here we go. i we're reading from verse uh, 22. Amen. So the Bible says, and I'm reading from the New King James, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were with in the boat came and worshipped Him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Amen. And so, I want to, to minister from that familiar passage of Scripture tonight, that God has called you and I to walk upon the water. Amen. And so, it, it's something we're all familiar with, but you don't know it until you're doing it. Amen. You don't know it until you are doing it. So, I want to go through a few principles with you tonight. So stepping out of the boat and walking on water will require your obedience. Amen. Because sometimes the things that God will call you will challenge your intellectuality because you will feel, I'm not equipped, I'm not the right person, they must have made a mistake, maybe God made a mistake, I don't have the experience, I'm not the man or the woman for this, I'm the wrong person for this particular task, but you've got to be obedient. If you are always going to falter the instruction of God through your flesh and through your mind and through your experiences, you will miss what God wants to do because all He requires from you is your obedience. Amen. And so stepping out of the boat and walking on the water requires your obedience, not your bravery. Not your bravery, your obedience. There's nothing brave about walking on the water. Amen. Because... Some people step out and they say, I'm walking on the water and I'm brave and I'm courageous. But if God did not invite you to get out of the boat and to walk upon the water, then if you do that, it's negligent. It's careless. I've spoken to many people and they say, Pastor, I'm starting that business. I'm going to walk on the water. And my first response is, did God give you a word? Is this the right time to do it? Are you connecting with the right business people? Because you're going into covenant with someone. Did you hear from God? And they're like, no, no, I'm walking on the water. I said, "It's, it's negligent to say it's God if it's not God. Because it will affect your household. It will affect your marriage. It will affect your financial situation. And stress will challenge any marriage. Amen. Financial stress will challenge any marriage. And so I will challenge them and say, listen, if you heard from God, I will join my faith with you. But if you did not hear of God, this is not obedience, this is careless. And so you've got to be careful that you don't always say everything is stepping out of the boat if it's not of God. The Bible says Peter got an invitation to get out of the boat. Amen. So Peter wasn't brave, he was obedient. And so you and I, we have to be obedient because you'll be surprised what God can do in and through your life when you're obedient. You'll be surprised. Sometimes God will do great things through people that others would never have used. But because they're obedient, the Bible says God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Because of their obedience, amen. Secondly, Walking on the water requires faith. So getting out of the boat requires obedience. Walking on the water requires faith. Why does it require faith? Because when you walk on the water, you are walking on top of what other people are drowning under. Come on. When you walk on the water, you're walking on top of what other people are drowning under. You are a single mom, but yet you are holding it together. Other people are drowning under that. Other people are saying, I can't run this business alone. Yet you're fasting, yet you're praying, yet you're here tonight. And you're walking on the water. Other people are drowning. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to believe in what God's called you to do and to keep on doing it. Amen. Single Singaporeans, business owners, it takes faith to be a pastor. Amen. And to run a ministry like that. Man. I never spoke to your pastor about tonight's meeting or anything, but I want to tell you something. You you guys need to really pray for your pastors. They need your prayer. Amen? You know, you'll be surprised how rare it is for a pastor to sit on the other side of a conversation where someone says, man, I'll be praying for you. You'll be surprised how rare it is to receive a text from somebody that says, I'm praying for you. I have a word in season for you you'll find that it's your leadership, your pastors, they are always pouring out. And they need you to pour into them. They need you to speak into them and to pray over them and to bless them. Amen. Because you're a family. That's what families do. Amen. And so it it requires faith because if you look at what's happening around the world, you would have seen it on social media, on Facebook, on certain uh, Christian websites. You will see that there are Great men and women of stature, mega churches all across the world that are one by one beginning to step down and beginning to say they doubt whether this is still the right thing. There is such a warfare against the faith. Of the people of God and it's, it's a spirit of doubt and unbelief that's script in and you will see it mega worship leaders mega pastors they got churches with thousands of people and they are just going onto social media and saying man we're throwing in the towel we're not doing this anymore we're not even sure we're doing the right thing if you are finding yourself in a place like that where there's doubt and unbelief you gotta <laughs> confront it because whatever you tolerate will eventually dominate You cannot tolerate it. You can't entertain it. You've got to rise up. You've got to tell that thing God cannot lie and stand on the Word of God. Amen. Come on. Because that thing will come against you aggressively. The Bible says there's a man who has a son and he comes to Jesus. And I love this scripture because the Bible says that Jesus asks him, "Um, do you believe that I'm able to do what you're asking me to do for praying for your son? And he says, I believe but forgive my doubt and unbelief. You know why I love that scripture? Because he recognizes that the situation is so severe and so serious, he cannot entertain missing an opportunity for someone to step into his situation. So when someone asks him, like Jesus, is everything okay? He doesn't say, man, I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord. We're all good. Or if someone says, how's your marriage? Oh, no. no be honest. Be honest. And say, man, listen, I'm glad you asked. We actually need prayer. Man, my business is struggling. I, I need prayer. Come in and anoint my business. Come and pray over my work premises. Come and pray over what we are doing. But too often we say, man, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And we put on a mask and the, the help walks in and the help walks out again. But the Bible says this man is confronted with Jesus. And he says to him, I do believe. But there are times I just don't. There are times when it just seems so long, so overwhelming, like nothing is changing. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've fasted and I've fasted. And I'm just beginning to doubt whether this thing is going to change. I'm beginning to doubt whether this thing really will shift in my favor. And when that happens, you have to remind yourself that God cannot lie. Because if God says you are strong and weakness is telling you that you are weak, then weakness is lying to you. Not God, because God cannot lie. If God says you will be successful, but somehow you're feeling like a failure, then failure is lying to you, but God cannot lie. And so if He's called you, you've got to keep the word that He's spoken over your life. Amen. So stepping out of the boat and walking on water will require your obedience. Walking on the water will require your faith. And what's more challenging than just walking on the water is walking in the wind. Because the Bible says, Peter got out and walked upon the, w- the water. Come on. But the Bible says, when the wind began to blow, he began to take his focus of Jesus and began to sink because his eyes was on how, how big the situation is. And so when you are faced with walking on the water and walking in the wind, it requires your focus. It requires your focus because I promise you when you do what God's called you to do the wind will blow the wind will blow when you marry the right person the one God ordained for you the one that you're gonna change the world with the one where the God has joined the two of you for a divine purpose the wind will blow when your children finally are coming into the house and they're beginning to come into the house of God, the wind will blow. And you got to know how to stay focused when the wind blows. Otherwise, you will begin to sink. The next principle is you need to understand the type of ministry that God has planted you in. You need to understand the church that God has planted you in. Because God will not plant you as a boat sitter in a water walking church. You need to know the church that you're in. Because your pastor will provoke you. Not because he's trying to be in your face. But this is your tribe. If you were a part of the tribe of Levi. And you said I'm going to join this tribe. Join this church. And they say, come, we're going to sing. No, I don't feel like singing. You're in the wrong tribe. If the tribe of Levi says, man, there's a battle that's about to go down, so let's all go in front of the soldiers. We're going to worship, and you go, I'm not going to do that. you in the wrong tribe, because that's what the tribe of Levi does. We worship. We praise. We praise when things are good. We praise when things are bad. We praise when there's an enemy. We praise when we are outnumbered. We praise when we don't know how things are going to shift. But because we have a word, we praise. That's who we are. It's what we do. It's in our DNA so you need to know the type of ministry that you are planted in you cannot be a boat sitter in a water walking church because this church will go out and tell the world about him so you can't turn around and say that's not my personality i'm not that kind of person that's not in my makeup the bible said go and tell it it, that's for everyone so when your church does outreaches, they will expect you to walk on the water. Amen. Amen. Come on, they'll give you a mic with a two-second notice and say, "Pray, pray." That's walking on the water. Come on, my feet are still wet. Amen. Some of you catch it a little later. Amen. So the boat has its place. It's the vehicle that God uses for you and I. Amen. We have to. We have to get in the boat in order to have a testimony that we got out of the boat and that we walked on the water some people never get in the boat but they want to walk on water i don't understand how that works some people want to be called of god they want to fulfill a plan of god upon their life but they've never got into the boat but they want to have a testimony that they've gotten out of the boat first get in the boat feel what it's like to be in the boat can you handle when the boat is shaking or do you get seasick and want to turn around Because we get seasick often. And sometimes we just have to mmm and carry on. Because that's part of it. It's part of it. Amen. So the boat has its place. In fact, the Bible says Jesus preached from the boat. And so the boat has its place. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus told the disciples when they were in the boat to launch out into the deep. And catch fish to win souls because the boat has its place but if you want to be with Jesus is calling you you've got to be in the boat you've got to get in and be a part of what he's doing amen in fact the Bible says Jesus was with the disciples in a boat and when they came past a certain place Jesus saw a man who was bound by a legion of demons and the Bible says he stopped he got out of the boat and went into the cemetery Sometimes our problem is we want to get everybody out of the cemetery into the sanctuary when the people of God need to get out of the sanctuary into the cemetery. We need to get into the places where people are dead. Sometimes our focus is so, how do we get people into church when God is saying, how do I get the church into the people? But pastor, all you're doing is taking people out of the boat and going into the cemetery. Yes, it's biblical. It's what the Word of God says. And we pray that they will be discipled. We pray that they will come into the house. But if the only goal is for them to come into the house, but the house never goes out, we've missed it. you got to know the type of ministry that God has planted you in. God will not plant you as a boat sitter in a water-walking church. Amen. And that is the type of ministry God has called this church to be, to go out, amen, and walk upon the water. The Bible says that that man was bound by a legion of demons and no one could help him until Jesus stepped in. There are some people out there, it doesn't matter what rehab they have in that area, it doesn't matter if the army comes into that area, nothing shifts until Jesus steps in. The Bible says that people would tie the man up with ropes and he would just break it. The army would come in and the army would go out and it would just be back as usual. Things only shift when Jesus steps in. There is a time to be in the boat, but there's a time to get out of the boat and do what God's called us to do. Amen. And that's for every one of us. Amen. And so Jesus stopped the boat, got out of the boat, and went and delivered the man who was demon-possessed. Amen. So you will notice that kingdom alignment is very important because God has not called us to build a temple. He's called us to build the kingdom. And so we're not coming to build an edifice. We're not coming to build a brand. We're not coming to build an organization, but we've come to build the kingdom of God. And you can only do that outside of these walls. Amen. And that's why God's given your leadership and evangelical heart to go out there for the lost. Amen. 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 There are many churches that don't have a heart like that. There are many churches that only want people to come into the building. For the building to be full. But your pastor's heart is for you to go out and to win the lost. For people to hear truth. For people to be delivered. For people to be set free. Amen? We've got to appreciate what we have. Sometimes we only realize the value of something once it's gone once we don't have access to it anymore. Amen. So if you want to walk on water, if you want the new wine, you've got to be able to get out of the boat, which is the old wineskin. Because whatever God is going to do over the next couple of days, when He pours out new wine, if you're going to pour that into an old mindset, an old paradigm, an old way of thinking, you will not be able to keep what god's pouring out a week from now this would have been an experience and not a life-changing encounter you want this to be an encounter with god and not just an experience with a guest speaker come on you want to be changed by this week and allow yourself to keep that's why i'm always amazed how um, people can sit under teaching of the teaching of the teaching and yet their lives don't change because they enjoy new wine, but they're pouring it into an old wine skin, and so by the time they get home, they've lost what they've just received. And so we have to continually ask the Lord to give us a new wine skin, so that we can hold what is pouring into us. Otherwise, we'll lose it. We need to maintain the ground that we have won in the Spirit. Amen. So this conference will provoke you. I'm, I just want to lay a foundation. Amen. We're we still good for time. All right. Amen. So, getting out of the boat has to be for the right reasons. You hear me this evening. Getting out of the boat has to be for the right reasons. In other words, you got to know your motive. You can't do the right things for the wrong reasons. If you're getting out of the boat because you want to prove something to someone, you're doing it for the wrong reason you got to get out of the boat for the right reason. You cannot get out of the boat because someone is, is talking about you. People are jealous about you. So you're going to show them wrong. You know what jealousy is? Jealousy is the mismanagement of exposure. God gives us all exposure. And because someone gets the revelation out of that exposure and they grab all of it, and they go for it. Someone else gets jealous. The problem is God gave everyone the same exposure. The disciples in the boat all had the same exposure, but only one of them got out. When people are jealous of the opportunities that you're walking into, it's the mismanagement of the exposure they've been afforded. And so you've grabbed a hold of it. You never allow people's opinions to cause you to do something or to not to do something. Get out of the boat because God called you, not because you want to prove someone wrong. Not because you're going to prove someone that you can do what you believe God has called you to do. Amen. All 12 of them had the same exposure and the same experience. I want to encourage you tonight that when God calls you to step out of the boat, you need to understand this, that going to the next level, elevation, it's not a team sport. When God calls you to step out, you've got to be willing to step out by yourself. When you go to the next level, when you get out of the boat, it might feel like isolation. It might feel that like the people who rode with you in the boat, who rode with you to a certain point, is not necessarily going to be the same people that will go with you to the next level. Come on. There are times where isolation is necessary. There are times when God separates you so that you can see what's grown within you. Amen. And so if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling all alone, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Our problem is, is that because we are human and we expect everything to be humane, when God doesn't act the way we think He should act, we think God's being inhumane, but we forget that He's not humane, He's divine. He will not think the way you think. He will not operate the way you think He should operate. He does things His ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He will do something completely different. Amen. Come on. Amen. So elevation is not a team sport going to the next level. Sometimes means you've got to go by yourself. Amen. Another principle is that you cannot want to do what Jesus did publicly, which is walking on water, if you can't do what Jesus did privately, which is pray all night. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus spent the whole night praying on the mountain. Amen. Then he only went and walked upon the water. Some people just want to get out of the boat, walk upon the water, and they've got no prayer life. They don't know how to pray, but all they know is, can you pray for me? All they know is, can I come to you for prayer? They don't know how to go to the mountain for themselves and pray by themselves. And so if you want publicly what Jesus has done publicly, you got to do what he has done privately. you got to learn how to pray because prayer will bring acceleration in your life. I promise you. The Bible says it took 12 men to row all night to get to the same place that Jesus prayed all night and walked in the morning and got there in a shorter space of time, but because he prayed, he got there faster. Think about it. They rode 14 miles all night, 12 grown men rowing 14 miles. All he did was pray. In other words, some people might work their whole life to run a business. You might start fasting and praying. And your business might grow at the same pace or even faster. Not because of your experience or influence in the market. But because of your prayer life. It accelerates things that you're able to get to the same place where other people are. But they have toiled all night. All you've done is prayed all night. Sometimes we don't understand why we have all night prayer meetings. Because sometimes an all-night prayer meeting or a time of fasting and prayer can accelerate things so much faster than trying to do it in the natural over three to six months. So what you do in your own strength can take a long time. It takes a whole lot of people to get you there. But when you pray, you can get there by yourself faster just because of prayer. God has given us tools To build our lives with, but if we don't use it, we'll miss what God wants to do in and through our lives. Amen. When you get out of the boat, you must be mentally prepared to get up and over certain things. You know, when you're sitting in a boat, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta get up. Once you get up, you then have to get over the side of the boat in order to get out of the boat. It's exactly the same. If you want to do what God's called you to do, you've got to be willing to get up and get over certain opinions. Certain criticisms. Certain statements that people say. You can't tell me that there are 11 other men sitting in the boat with strong opinions. These are strong men, tax collectors, fishermen, they got some strong, in fact, there's two brothers that thought that they were so cool that they could ask their mother to speak to Jesus, whether they could sit on his left and his right. These were men with strong opinions. You want to tell me that 11 of them saw Peter stand up and they just said nothing? They saw Peter get out of the boat and said absolutely nothing. I'm sure they said, sit yourself down. I'm sure they said, who do you think you are? sit because what he's doing is a reflection of what they're not doing his faith is a reflection of them not being obedient to the call of god so they'd rather have him sit and step out you got to be careful that when people begin to criticize you and say why are you joining the choir Why, why 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 are you getting involved in church now suddenly why, why are you now, oh, you're so friendly with pastor now. Oh, we saw, you know, why? You've got to be willing to get over all of those comments and do what God has called you to do, amen. amen. If you don't, you'll stay in the boat. If you don't, you'll allow their opinions to hold you back from where God has called you to be. It's no different for many women in ministry. Some people will say, why start another church? My, my response is, there's 57 million people in our country. Our government is in a mess. Our education system is in a mess. There's corruption in our, in, in, in our police. You want to tell me we've got enough pastors? If we had enough pastors, our country wouldn't have a problem. We need more of the fivefold ministry. In fact, I think we have too little. If more people step up to the core, I think we'll have a greater influence. So when someone says, oh, another prophet, another apostle, another church, I say, praise the Lord, there's another pastor. I say, praise the Lord, there's another church on the corner because we're building the kingdom. This is not a competition. If there's a church in every corner, why not? Let the gospel get out. Let people hear what the truth is concerning their lives. Amen. Come on. So, Peter gets out of the boat, amen? And so now that the foundation is laid, let's let's go a little deeper. Are you ready to go a little deeper, amen? Amen. So, So now we understand the whole boat scenario. We understand why it's so important for Peter to get out. We understand all the things Peter had to overcome just doing that few verses, took a whole lot out of his life to accomplish those things, amen? But I want to say the following to you that your location within your generation will influence your interpretation of what God is saying. In other words, a generation is like 20 to 40 years. It's like, it's like a timeline like that. And so where, depending on where your location is, your age within that generational gap will, will influence how you interpret something. That's true. If I look at older folk and, and, and who's, who's been in the word a lot longer than younger folk, they are a lot more secure in the word. But if I look at folk within the same generation, but their location within the generation is a lot younger. And so when they speak about the word, there's no depth, there's no substance, because they haven't been in it as long as someone else. And so their interpretation of it is a little different. Come on. So... I'll give you an example, in, just, just in the natural, I'll give you some examples. If, if I say the word apple, a lot of the older folk will think of a fruit. If I say apple to the same audience, but to a younger group, they think iPhone, they think iPad, they think laptop, because that's what apple means. You know, because it's not Android, that's what they think. And so the same word has a different interpretation for a generation, but depending on your location, it will give you a different interpretation. Come on. And so that's true. So for example, I'll give you another one. If I just put this out of the atmosphere and I look at my shirt and I say, Buttons, (laughs) depending on your location, Within your generation. Some of you will think buttons on my shirt, and there's some of you that will think ah oh, hey Prativan buy buttons. He <laughs> he's speaking about other buttons. Same word, different interpretation. You know, you tell someone the word Daedalic, and they'll think that means clarity, transparency. It means something is amazing. But someone else will think it means, oh, that, 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 that's awesome. You know, that movie was Daedalic, you know. It's the same word. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because I want to speak about maintaining what you've obtained But sometimes, depending on your life experience and what you've been exposed to, sometimes the word maintain can have a negative connotation. Because people will say, oh, he's just in maintenance mode. Come on. He's not pioneering. He's not bolding. He's just maintaining the current vision. So somehow maintaining or the word maintain has somehow received a negative definition. But for the purposes of tonight, I want us all to be on the same page that I don't want the word maintain to have that type of, of definition tonight. Amen. For the purposes of tonight, I want the word maintain to mean that, that you are able to keep, you're able to retain, you're able to, to, to hold what you have obtained. You can maintain it. Because so many people obtain things, but they can't maintain it. They, they come on, they, they, they obtain their freedom from drugs but they can't maintain it. They obtain peace after God has ministered to them, but a week from now they don't long, no longer have their joy and their peace. And so it's not just the ability to obtain things, but you need to have the anointing and the ability to maintain things. You've gotta keep it. You've gotta keep your salvation. You've gotta keep your walk. You've gotta maintain your marriage. You've gotta maintain the things that God has given you victory in and over. Amen. So, When we look at this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 14, a key passage for tonight, we are comparing two people walking on the same water. You know why? Because many times people will say to me, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my circumstance. Well, my response to them is, Jesus and Peter walked on water, but guess what? I don't think it was the wind, I don't think it was the water, because it was the same water. Jesus hooked on the same water. Jesus faced the same wind. The difference is how Peter handled those same conditions. And so it's not so much what we're going through, is are we able to maintain what we have in order to go through what we're going through? And so Peter only walked a few steps. He didn't walk a whole lot of steps. The Bible says he just walked a few steps. His walking was temporary, it wasn't permanent. Sometimes we meet people like that. They, 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 they come for counseling. They, they, they come for direction. The Lord touches them. They get delivered. And they, 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 their marriage is it's great for a season. It's temporary, but it's not permanent. And so sometimes we're able to obtain something, but we can't maintain it. We can't keep it in our lives after we have received it. So we can see that his walking was temporary, not permanent. His walking was seasonal, not in turn eternal. His walking was inconsistent, not consistent. Peter had the ability to obtain it, but he did not have the ability to maintain it. The Bible says the minute his ability to, to not maintain it was exposed, he began to sink. He began to sink. Amen. So, I know some of you are probably thinking right now, I'm being a little bit harsh on Peter. I mean, if you think about it, out of the 12, he was the only one who got out of the boat. You know, why am I I giving Peter such a hard time, you know? At least he did something no one else was doing, you know? And so, Peter got out of the boat, 11 others stayed in the boat Peter was able to to walk a few steps while others didn't even try to walk a few steps. Why am I being negative? I'm not being negative. The truth is that I would be doing Peter a disservice to measure his success against the dysfunction of the other 11. You see, that's the problem. We always say, But I did it. At least I did it. They didn't do it. The problem is you're measuring your success by someone else's dysfunction. Jesus never called us to measure ourselves amongst one another. If you ever wanted to measure yourself, Peter had to measure himself against Jesus. That was the standard, not the 11 in the boat. But sometimes the only way we, we, we have peace about the decisions we made is that we tell ourselves, at least I tried. They didn't even try so I'm okay for quitting, I'm okay for giving up, they didn't even try to get involved in the ministry, I at least tried, so it's okay, I've done it, I've worn the t-shirt, I've given it my best, but it's all right, you're comparing yourself against the wrong people, you will always feel successful if your comparison is a dysfunction of someone else, Your comparison has to be Christ. And that's when you measure if you are able to maintain what you have obtained. Amen. And so the goal of a water walker is not to be better than the disciples. Your goal is never to be better than the next person. Your goal is never to outdo the others in the boat. Your goal is to compare yourself to be more like Jesus. Come on. Because if your comparison is always a dysfunction of someone else, you will always feel, but I'm doing better than them. I come to church more often than them. You know, I pray in the, in the Holy Ghost a little bit longer than them. Amen. I, I prophesy a little bit better than them. But you're comparing yourself to the dysfunction of someone else. If you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to the standard. The standard is Christ. He won souls. He flowed in the gifts. He raised the dead. He prayed for the sick. He went out, fed the multitude. He called them in. And so that's the standard. But it's so much easier to feel better about ourselves for not doing something when we compare ourselves against the dysfunction of someone else because you'll always look better. You'll always look as if you're doing a better job than the next person. But God has never called us to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. So you and I cannot do that. We've gotta compare ourselves to the standard, which is Jesus. The Bible is clear That that the Jesus we are trying to learn from and emulate and be like didn't just start things, he finished things. Come on. He, he, He started and he ended. In other words, when he went up to pray that night, he had every intention that the next morning when he's done praying, he will walk upon the water, get to the boat where the others are, and then he'll be with them. In other words, he did not go and pray all night and change his mind the next morning. When he starts something, he finishes it. He knows how to maintain something. He knows how to go after something and to pursue it. And the body of Christ needs to be the same. We need to have the same tenacity. We need to have the same perseverance that no matter what comes against us, when we start something, we finish it. When we join the choir, we don't just quit. When we say we're going to be committed, we don't just throw in the towel. When we say we're going to be loyal, we don't just change our minds because it's boisterous. But you might say, but this pastor, that people didn't even join. Okay, but you're comparing your success against the dysfunction of someone else. Jesus is the standard. If you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to him. And so if he's done it, you can do it too, amen. Because he says, greater things will you do come on so the bible tells us that, that, that jesus is a finisher look at someone else and say he's a finisher sometimes he will do things incrementally little by little but that does not mean he will do it incompletely so if there are areas in your life that Christ has begun, but has not yet finished. I promise you, He's coming back to finish it. He's going to finish what He started, amen? Because whatever God starts, He finishes. He is a finisher, amen? And when it is complete, it will be undeniably complete. It will be undeniably finished. It will be irrefutably finished, or irrevocably finished, everybody will see what God started, yet finished in your life. But you've got to be able to maintain what is given you so you can receive the finished product. Amen. So once something is finished, it can't be unfinished because God cannot lie. Once God has done something, it cannot be undone because God cannot lie. Once God has blessed you, someone's words wrapped up as a curse hasn't got more power than the words released out of god over your life because god cannot lie so sometimes people will say but you don't understand what they've said I, I, i hear you but their words don't have more power than the words of god over your life so whose whose words are you having more faith in the word of god or their word as far as i know god cannot lie He's not a man that he should lie. So you're buying into the wrong word being spoken over your life. And if you keep on doing that, you will have a lot of areas in your life that have been started but never finished. Where you've had the ability to obtain something, but you've not had the ability to maintain it. And so as the body of Christ, we got to start finishing things God has called us to start. we got to start seeing things through. God has called us to do. Come on. If God says fast and it's seven days fasting, don't stop on day two. Now, don't worry, I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to the person next to you. <laughs> don't say the <to laughs> Yerevit. Man shall not live by bread alone but by Gatsby's and Romany creams and. <laughs> Now, if you're going to start something, you've got to finish it. Because you'll never see the fruits of something you've never finished. You'll always have incomplete projects throughout your life and never knowing what it would have been like. If you started a marriage, finish it. Come on. If you got involved with the church, finish it. I've seen many people step away because of life's circumstances, and seen others grow into voids they should have filled, and they sit back years later with regret saying, that should have been me. Back in the day, I was that person. But they've allowed circumstances to hold them back from finishing what God called them to maintain. I want to tell you tonight that if God has given you things in your life prophetic words promises if there are things that's been released over your life then you need to pursue it too often people say you know what that thing that season has passed i'm too old for those things that's a lie of the devil there's no age restriction or age limitation on god's words coming to pass in your life We've got to start being mature about the things God has called us to. It's got nothing to do with your age. Maturity has got to be with, with your ability to be responsible. If God has placed certain things upon your life, gifts and talents, you've got to be responsible with them. You've got to grab a hold of them and go for it. Amen. I'm almost finished. Don't worry. Amen. Look at someone and say, God is a finisher. Amen. So when God opens up a door... Nobody can shut the word of God says so. So they might dislike the door that's been opened for you, but they can't shut it because a door that God opened, no man can shut. Amen. Because God is a finisher. If God has opened up a door for you and your company is going through retrenchments, don't allow what's happening in the natural to affect what God has spoken over your life. Because others might be detrenched, but you've got to tell yourself, no, not me. God cannot lie. God cannot open a door and others will close it for me. Their hands might be on the door, but they won't close the door. Because God cannot lie. Amen. God is a finisher. In fact, Paul said it this way in the book of Philippians. He was so confident and he said that that the person who began a good work in me will complete it. He understood this principle. He understood that Jesus was a finisher. You and I, we were made in His image to be a finisher. You and I were made to resemble the same DNA that's in His life and to finish things that you and I have started. Amen? And so, finishing was such a discipline of Jesus that. Even death had to stand at bay until he said, I'm finished. Not even death could take his life until he was finished with the thing he started. And so even though death was ready to destroy him, death had to wait until he was finished. And when he was finished, he said, it is finished. That's the authority God has given you and I. And so there are things that will come against your life to stop you from finishing what God has called you to finish. But you have an authority. You have an anointing. You have an ability to tell something to stop until I've done what I've been called to do. Amen. Come on. Amen. Because you are a finisher. Amen. The same spirit that was in Christ that caused him to be a finisher is in you. Amen. You are a finisher. Amen. And if the one who is our example and the one who we emulate is a finisher, then you and I too are a finisher. Your mouth, it's a mirror of your heart. And the Bible says it this way, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. And so, it's important for you to fill yourself with the affirmations of God's words, I want you just to say this after me. Say, the grace to finish finish. is falling on me. me. Come on, just say it with some conviction and persuasion. Say, the grace to finish finish. is falling on me. me. Come on, say, the anointing to finish finish. is falling on me. 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 Amen. So you got to go home And you've got to look at some of the things that you have started and have not finished. What courses you have begun but have never complete. What counseling you have started but have not seen through to the end. What things you have committed to God that you will do, but you've given up halfway through that and say, God, I'm going to finish what I said I was going to start. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask somebody just to join me on keys. As, we, as I come to a close, amen? Amen. Can I give you a tip? You know when a pastor says he's about to close, it's just to get everyone's attention again. It's true. When you stand up here, you see everybody's faces. You see them, where are they? You're in the airplane, they are hearing this, and they're thinking about the food that's at home, and they're wondering, is the kids finishing the lunch, and are they going to keep some chicken for me? You know? And so the pastor will say, I'm about to close. Everybody goes, it's just to get your attention. But don't worry, I am about to close. God is saying to you tonight, There's a reason why you would come to have me share about maintaining the things he's given you the ability to obtain because your next season necessitates that of you. Your next season necessitates that of you. God already has a picture of you in your future. And the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because He's building within you what your future needs you to have. And the reason you, you, you're going through this is because He's developing it within you. And if you don't go through these storms, and if you don't allow yourself to grow, your future will not have the you that He had intended you to be. Because when God looks at you, He has the end in mind. He has an end picture of what you should look like. All of life's challenges, all of life's trials are designed to build you, not destroy you. Storms aren't designed to destroy you. The Bible says Noah faced the biggest storm of mankind. But when the ark started and the rain fell, the Bible says that ark was on ground level. When the storm ended, the ark was on the point of the highest mountain in the land. Storms are designed to elevate you, not destroy you. If you can just weather the storm, if you can just maintain what you have obtained, you will see the victory, you will see the breakthrough, you will see the answered prayers. But sometimes we quit before the answer comes. And we say God is a respecter of man, even though He says He's not. It's fine. Things to come. Amen. I love it when kids do that. It's the worst thing for a parent. Who's who's the mom? Oh, she's saying, Earth, swallow me. Echandikan, do Mark. It's like they pull them aside at nursery school and they teach them just how to do that. Because they won't do it when the church is empty, they do it when, they, when everyone's focusing. <laughs> it's okay, Mom, don't worry. We all have kids, we know what is love fact, Jesus said, bring them to me. So it's fine. There's no one in this room tonight that can tell me that you didn't have or do have or will not have maintenance issues. You will. You will have challenges with maintaining what you've obtained. You will have warfare against holding on to what God has given you because the enemy knows if you are able to maintain what God's given you, you will become his biggest threat if you look at the areas that you decided to start but did not finish it's probably the biggest areas God was going to have influence in and through your life but you didn't follow through, so now you'll never know but this conference has to provoke you God's word has to challenge you, you have to get involved, you have to apply yourself, you have to remind yourself, I have an anointing, I have an anointing, because the anointing upon your life can survive anything, I promise you, the Bible says when there was a flood, the flood destroyed the whole of the earth, everything was destroyed. But when Noah released the dove, the Bible says that even though everything was destroyed, the dove came back with a branch that was newly picked from an olive tree. In other words, when everything else was destroyed, the anointing cannot be destroyed. The olive tree could not be destroyed. There's an anointing upon your life that you might not feel tonight, but it's got nothing to do with your feelings. And even though when you've allowed life circumstances to make you walk away from things you've been called to finish, there's an anointing that will see it through. There's a call of God that he has not given up on because God cannot lie. We've got to learn how to maintain our deliverance and not go back to lust and pornography. Come on men. We can't get delivered six months later be back on porn back on our phones back on our devices where no one else can see we've got to know how to maintain that we can't have peace in our homes and allow strife to enter again and get us to a place where we're raging and we're shouting divorce how do we maintain peace in our homes how do we keep the victory that God has given us amen Faithfulness is that key to the door that unlocks the room of elevation. God wants to promote you. God wants to take you to another level. But it means you've got to hold on to the promises that God has given you. I want to close for real (laughs) with this. You know, as we find ourselves in the service tonight, there's been a warfare over the things that God's called you to maintain. Some of you, you're at a breaking point right now. You're literally just holding things together. and you don't know for how much longer. Because the storm has been raging just that long. The thing that you've been praying for has been just that long. This message has nothing to do with discipline. Because some people can discipline themselves and go to gym every day and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they can't maintain other things in their life. If it was discipline, they'd be able to apply the same principle in every area of their life. There are some things that is a spiritual warfare. It has nothing to do with discipline. It has to do with an attack against that which God has given you the ability to obtain. Like your deliverance. Like your freedom. Like your peace. Like your joy. That you find the enemy coming and taking from you. Tonight I've come to pray with you for those of you that need prayer, for those of you that find yourself in a place where you are struggling to maintain what you have. I want to tell you tonight, you would not be the first one. The Bible says when Moses took the people out of Egypt and found himself in the wilderness, he had so much pressure on you. You know what pressure is? Anybody been through pressure? Anybody got more bills to pay than salary? Anybody? More, more mouths to feed than food? Pressure. And the Bible says he gets to a place where he can't handle the pressure anymore. And he cries out to God and he says to me to him, did I give birth to them? Are they my problem? He says, just, just kill me, man. He has an emotional meltdown in the wilderness. The Bible says God just loves him. God just ministers to him. Elijah had the same experience. One day he's having a massive, massive crusade. Calling down fire from heaven. Taking out every voice that is not of God. Every prophetic voice that's not of God. Takes them out. But the very next day, Jezebel sends a message and the same man of God says, just kill me, I've had enough. The enemy knows exactly how to get you to a place where you feel you cannot anymore. In a moment, I want to pray with you. You know, I'll make myself very vulnerable with you. I've been in ministry for a number of years. But my wife and I, we've only just planted our church four years ago, but prior to that, I was in full-time ministry at another ministry for a number of years. And planting a church is not the same as being a part of a church that's already established. It's a whole nother ballgame. The learning never stops. The warfare never stops. There were times when the enemy would pressurize us so much that no one knows, but you've resigned in your mind already. I'm serious. It's Wednesday. You already resigned in your mind, but Sunday's coming. And you God, how do I have faith again? How do I have a word again? And you struggle to maintain until you have to deal with that spirit of doubt and unbelief and allow it to no longer have any access into your life and become real with him and say, I believe, but forgive my unbelief because there are times I just doubt whether you say you're going to do what you're going to do. Because it felt so long. Some of you have been in a marriage like that. Some of you have been facing financial situations like that. Some of you have been trusting God for your own home and it feels so long that you're beginning to doubt whether this is ever going to happen. And you just resigned in your heart towards certain things. And I I really want to pray with you tonight because it's a very, very real warfare. It's a very lonely warfare. We've been taught how to be professional at putting on a mask. Because you can have an anointing to come and minister. And you can go home and be dry the whole week. Because this is an anointing to minister that's your personal life, it's two different anointings. It's true. You can be anointed behind an instrument, behind a mic, in a life group, but when everyone else go home, you're dead. Not because you're disobedient, because you just had life bombard you. Anybody been there? Where it's one thing on top of the other, on top of that, you got no space to breathe. And you're ready to throw in the town. But God cannot lie. Before I pray for them, we've been speaking about getting out of the boat. I want to give you an opportunity to get in the boat. If you're here tonight and you've been invited as a guest or you're part of this ministry, but you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because before you can get out of the boat, you gotta first get in the boat. Before you can walk in His purposes and experience what He's called you to do, you gotta first accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And so tonight, I'm going to ask everyone just to close their eyes before we go into the second altar call for ministry. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you feel tonight in your heart, that's you. you. You need to just get your life right with Him. You need to get in this boat. You need to get into the place where God has called you to be. You need your life to be aligned, you need purpose to be awakened within you. You need to know what it means to have a destiny and a future. The Bible says, for he knows the plans and the thoughts. And you say, God, I don't know. Well, you've got to connect with the one who does. If that's you tonight, and you say, pray with me tonight. I'm not even going to ask you to put up your hands. I'm going to ask you just to make your way to the front And come and join me in the front here tonight and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I need to realign my life. Doesn't matter how old or young you are tonight. If that's you, I want you just to come. We're going to take a few moments. We're not going to rush because someone's life hangs in the balance. Father, we thank you right now, Lord. Father, we come against every voice that would come against the plan of salvation. Father, we come against every strategy and device of the enemy to rob anyone right now of their breakthrough right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, in this hour, in this time together, Lord, that you have ordained this moment, Lord. And so, Father, we pray right now for your word to have access and entrance. Come, and if that's you, you can just come and join me. All right. Well, let's all pray this prayer together then anyway. Amen. But if you're saying this prayer for the first time, please come and see your pastors tonight. Come and see the leadership tonight and say, man, I didn't have the boldness to come to the front, but I did say that prayer. What's the next step? How do I maintain what I've just obtained? How do I keep my salvation? Come and let's close our eyes right now. You can pray after me say, Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and I repent of all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. You said in your word that you died for me. So from this night forward, I choose to live for you. Right now, I am forgiven, I am accepted, and I am born again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you've said that prayer for the first time, or you've made a recommitment, please come and speak to someone tonight. Come and speak to the leadership so that they can walk a road with you. So they can guide you to the next steps that God has for your life. But right now in this moment, before we close, if you say, Jacques, that's me. I I need ministry tonight. It doesn't really matter if you're a leader or have a title. This is about your life right now doesn't matter about what function you hold, because the higher the function, the greater the warfare will come against your life. Make no mistake. If you felt coming into the service tonight that there are things in your life that you just don't know anymore how. If that's you, I wanna join my faith, and we would like to pray with you, the leadership team. Come and join me tonight. Come and join me in front at the altar, and let us pray with you tonight. Don't wait for someone else to to walk, and then you walk. If you're serious about your breakthrough, Jesus said to the man, do you believe I am able to do what you're asking me to do? Do you believe? And the man said, I do, but I also don't. If that's where you are tonight, you believe. But there are times when life is so, so hard that you just don't know if God will. Because you've cried out and nothing has changed. You've prayed, but nothing has shifted. You've declared and you've fasted, but yet things have stayed the same. Senda la babosta la mameste Rebrondo lo samanda la mameste Senda la baboste lo samande Revanda la babeste jamando los savenda la baboste Rebrondo lo samanda la mameste Rebondo lo sabanda la babeste jamanda la mamesta la mamande because there are some questions that needs to be silenced in your mind tonight because you've been crying out how long still am I the right person did you make a mistake God did you really call me because I feel like such a failure Did I make a mistake? Should I have listened and not married? Should I walk away? It's all the wrong questions. The only question you need to ask yourself, can God lie? God cannot lie. And if you can answer that question, it will answer every other question for you. Shendala brostolos samande. Come on, God's ministering to some of you already. Father, uproot every lie right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you with your own confession tonight, before someone even lays their hands upon you, you need to disconnect yourself from some of the covenants that you have made. Because some of you in a moment of despair said, never again will I join in ministry. Never again will I get involved again. Never again will I love like that again. Never again will I open up my heart again. Never again am I sowing into a ministry again. Never. You need to disconnect yourself from those covenants that you've made in a time of anger. In a moment of anger, this marriage will never work you are got to break those covenants tonight. That child will never come right. You'll probably die of drugs. You need to sever those covenants tonight. You need to uproot those words of destruction. You will not stay in debt forever. You will have your own land. Your own home. Some of you want to go and work next year because of your studies. That's a lie from the devil. God cannot lie. He will take care of your studies. Father, we pray tonight, Lord. I'm going to ask apostle. Peter John, just to direct the ministry, I'm going to respect the the house and how Apostle Peter John does it. But right now, with every hand lifted right now, come and allow the Holy Ghost to minister to you afresh. Come and allow the Holy Ghost to minister to you afresh. It's not the time to throw in the towel. It's not the time to give up. You're not a failure. If He calls you strong, but weakness is your weak. Weakness is lying to you. But God cannot lie. Apostle Peter John.
1: I'd like to call upon Pastor Peter. Would you please join us here in front, sir? And if there are any of the pastors that are here. Uh, and you are anointed for ministry. I'd like you to come. There is such a strong presence of the Lord here on this altar. And I want to say to you, yes, take this moment. I said this morning, this is an operation. You are being operated on. God is shifting things in your mind, possibly in your spirit. God is transforming you. Yes. allow the precious holy spirit let him touch you Uh, i just sense that there may be others that would like to come please come come quickly there's a powerful anointing here come quickly come quickly i know some of you may be visitors but we welcome you this morning this evening Uh, trust the lord to touch you tonight Before we're going to rush off and pray for people, we just want the Holy Spirit to do his work. We just want the precious Holy Spirit to do his work. We've been praying about this meeting for some time. Uh, Laverne said earlier we fasted, and this is now the moment for God to work. So I invite you to come. We're not trying to pull you away from your church. We will never do that. your life is important this word that was spoken i believe the man of god it was as though god himself was speaking he spoke from the throne of god and i want to invite you to come please come please come don't feel embarrassed we respect you if you are a seasoned man a woman of god please come take this grab this moment this kairos moment grab this opportunity and allow the Lord to touch you. Yes. I'm going to ask the man of God to pray and he's going to be praying, but you must allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. Yes.
0: Allow him. Father, Tonight not come, Lord. Father, these are your sons and daughters who you've called by name, Lord. Father, you've placed your anointing upon their lives, Lord. Father, you've pulled them out of darkness, Lord. And Father, you know the storm that has been waging against their life, Lord. Father, you know the torment that has come against their mind in the middle of the night when no one else is there, Lord. And the enemy just lies to their mind, Lord. Father, you know the thoughts of suicide, Lord. You know the thoughts of divorce, Lord. Lord, you know the the thoughts of throwing in the towel that has been coming up and coming up and coming up in their mind, Lord. Some of them have gotten to the place where they said, I'm beyond the embarrassment of people. I'm just doing it now. I don't care what anyone else is going to think. I'm just going to do it because I cannot any longer. No one knows the storm I'm going through. I don't need another counseling session. I'm just done. I'm done. I'm tired of showing grace and forgiving 70 times 7. Nothing changes. But God has stepped into your situation tonight. And you shall maintain what God has given you. You shall not lose this battle. Father, we thank you tonight. There's an anointing, Lord, to break the yoke of bondage, Lord. Father, there's an anointing tonight to uproot the lie of the enemy. There's an anointing in this place tonight, Lord, to shake loose every shackle, Lord to shake loose every bondage to the flesh tonight, Lord. Father, I pray every agony, every despair, every pain that has come against every son and daughter of yours tonight, Lord, every sense of abandonment, every sense of rejection, every sense of I'm not good enough, Lord, goes in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray tonight as we lay our hands upon them, Lord, there comes a release by the Holy Ghost, Lord. There comes a release by the Holy Ghost, Lord. I command you, devil, tonight. Your hold is broken in the name of Jesus. We shall walk in victory, Lord. We shall walk in deliverance, Lord. Our marriages shall be strong, Lord. We shall live and not die. We will walk in the prosperity that you have released in and over our lives, Lord. I rebuke unemployment, Lord. I rebuke poverty in the name of Jesus. We will not partner or have covenant with those thoughts any longer, Lord. We have covenant with what your word says is our promises tonight, Lord. An anointing to break every yoke of bondage, Lord. Father, every warfare against the mind, Lord. Every torment that has come against the mind, Lord. We break it in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare freedom, Lord. We declare freedom tonight, Lord. Revondo Shenda la babosto lo samanda la mameste. Shaman dalla babosto lo sabanda la mameste. Swayton someone prays for you don't leave. Stay in his presence because in his presence there's fullness of joy. Shenda la babosto lo samande. Come on, God is restoring marriages tonight. Come on, God is restoring the home tonight. Come on, God is restoring husbands and wives tonight. God's restoring your ministry tonight. You have been called, you are gifted, you are talented. For God has called you for a time such as this. Father, you heal every broken heart right now, Lord. If you're sitting at the back, begin to pray. If you're in the audience, begin to pray. Begin to connect your faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray the Word of God. Freedom in the name of Jesus. A deliverance in the name of Jesus. You're a finisher, Lord. The work you have begun you are faithful to complete, Lord. Shendalababist, I command sickness to go, Lord. I command cancer to go in the name of Jesus. If He's begun a work in you, He'll complete it. Shama Mandalaboste. Rebabundo Lababesh talamaminde. Revanda la babosha la mameste Shama mandalamestalamandi. Revondo los Savenda la Mameste. Father, divine restoration, Lord. Revondo los Samanda la Mameste. Get your breakthrough. Don't leave. Let Him do a finish work in you. Shavanda la Baboste. Even if you stay a little longer, let Him do a finish work in you. Revondo los Sababanda la Mameste. Father release your fresh fire tonight, release your fire tonight Lord Release your fire tonight Lord Release your fire tonight Lord Let it be shut up in their bones Lord Let the fire of God begin to destroy every lie of the enemy Lord Oh Oh Father, we uproot every wrong covenant spoken in anger, Lord. Spoken in hurt, Lord. Shendala Babostolo Samandem. Revandolo Shavendala Babostem. Revondolo Shabandala Mamestem. Sendala Babostala Mamestem. Father we cut off that spirit of suicide right now Lord Father we cut off that spirit of suicide right now We cut that spirit of suicide off right now in the name of Jesus I cut off that spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus los mamasta la Father, we thank you tonight that you're the finish Lord. You'll do a complete work right now. los father we declare promises and prophecies shall come to pass lord father we pray that folk will begin to move from prophetic announcement into prophetic fulfillment lord they'll begin to walk in those promises walk upon the water lord
1: Now, this has been a very powerful and a very uh, precious demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, and if we are children of faith, then we must walk in faith, and we must believe as we trust God when He creates opportunities like this. Uh, I want to be careful in the presence of God, especially when we are dealing with holy things. I want to be very careful. I want to say that there is not a person in this room that God does not love. He loves us with an everlasting love. And I feel the nudge and the the urgency to call uh, that maybe you've fallen and you've got up but you've fallen again and you got up and you've fallen again and you say what is the point let me just tell you that my life and everybody else's life is a story of grace we did not deserve it but God in his, because he's such a good father and because he's such a good God he is willing to give us grace you see it's grace that keeps me And many of you have been told, you're not going to make it with these born-again people. You're not going to make it. But I want to say to you tonight, it's been almost 32 years that God has carried me. And I've been through the highs and lows of life, just like, like most of us. But what I've come to learn is that when you trust the grace of God, then you will find out that the grace of God will carry you; it will help you. And I want to give that person or persons the res- the opportunity to respond. I know that uh, Pastor Jacques has made an appeal, and I want to be sensitive. You know, uh, because of time, we purposefully started the meeting at four o'clock so that we could have enough time for ministry. The conference is not just about preaching and proclaiming, but it's also the manifestation of the presence of God. Yes. And oftentimes we rush that part. And the time is suited now for us to receive that anointing. And if there's anybody here right now, they just close our eyes and bow our heads because we don't want to embarrass people and make them feel awkward. God loves each and every one here tonight. And it doesn't matter, you know as the speaker rightfully said, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. We all at one time or another have, because of the doubt and the pressure that has come to us, we felt that pressure. And we, some of us even buckled under that pressure. But the grace of God is still able to carry you. There are wonderful stories of people's lives you know, where grace was released uh, for us. And can I ask you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm not here to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. I want to give my life to the Lord. Is there anybody here this evening? Just where you are. You know, Christ never hid when he called people. He always called them publicly. And he asks you, will you publicly make a stand for me Will you publicly be counted and step up and say, Lord, I'm weak. I fail you. But one thing I know, I have a desire to serve you and to honor you. Is there, a, is there such a person here tonight? I'd like to pray with you just where you are. You know, we can't put any expectations on you. You know, the Bible says, he who began the good work in us, it is he who is faithful to complete it. And so, is there anybody here tonight? Tonight is your night. This is your moment. Now is the acceptable time. Today you have heard His voice. Now allow Him to touch your life. Is there anybody here tonight? Just where you are. You can, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I just want to be sensitive to the precious Holy Spirit who is nudging me to do this is there anybody here tonight you can put your hand up people are closing their eyes and bowing their heads you can do that right where you are i've done this for many years and i've seen how god has done amazing things in people's lives where they responded also at an hour like this is there anybody here tonight i'd like to pray with you God doesn't want you to hide and cover, but God wants you to come just as you are. I'm going to ask for the last time, is there anybody tonight? I said to my sister uh, yesterday when uh, Michelle she left for Dubai and we dropped her off at the airport, and uh, I said, you know, I've been praying for your family for 25 years. I've been praying for the salvation through the Operation Andrew for your family. And I said to her, I said because I have prayed for 25 years, I believe that your children will not die. None of your family will die. You know when they will die? When they've made their peace with God. You see, God honors the prayer of the righteous. Just last night when we dropped her off in the day, I said to her uh, to his father to Edgar, I said you must talk to Craig. You have to speak to Craig. Please speak to Craig today. This morning I got the report that Craig was shot. Twice. He was shot through the thigh and shot through the foot. Imagine if that bullet had to hit his head. He would be gone today. But because God loves him. God loves people. And I want to tell you it does not matter what you have done. It doesn't matter with who you've laid or what you've tasted and what you have smoked or drugged. What I do know is that the grace of God is more powerful than your sin. The grace of God, where sin abounds, there my grace abounds even the more. God is willing to meet you on your challenge. Is there anybody for the last time? raise your hand yes here's a young lady god bless you could, could i get one of the young adults quickly please thank you thank you lead this young girl to the lord is there another tonight i just feel that that nudging of the holy spirit he does not want that any should perish but He wants you to respond. Feel free to come. The invitation is for all. Come just as you are. Come just as you are. Come and give your life to the Lord. You see, who He keeps in His hand, no one can snatch you out of His hand. God loves you tonight. And we're not trying to broke here. We're not trying to work up your feelings. But this is an important call for every human being. That we have to come and make our peace with God. Yes. Oh, this is wonderful. This is beautiful. When one sinner comes to the Lord, there's a rejoicing in heaven. There's a celebration in heaven. And sometimes, I don't know, but we celebrate so well with our spring box. But angels are rejoicing at a greater level, a greater capacity, because they have an understanding what it means when a sinner discovers the grace of God. That particular experience no angel has experienced, but man does. And their hearts are so happy. And God the Father is rejoicing when one comes to the Lord. Can we give the Lord a mighty clap? Yes. Jesus. What is the name of that? Rihanna has given a heart to the Lord here today. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Wow. wow. Take, will you take Rihanna with you? Laverne needs to just wrap it up here for us. God bless you, my dear. God bless you, Rihanna. Rihanna. Wow. Come, Levan. Come, you need to wrap it up. Amen. Everybody, would you stand to your feet? And we're going to do a physical um, expression of what happened to you. I want you to put your hand on your tummy. And I want you to pat your tummy. And say, "Ik is nou lekker dag it. Did you feast on God's word tonight? Didn't God just show off tonight? Amen. We have really feasted on the word.